You're listening to the Law Careers Net podcast, a monthly podcast designed to give you everything you need to know about becoming a lawyer. Hello and welcome back to the Law Careers Net podcast. I'm excited for you all to hear this month's episode, so I'm not going to do too long of an introduction today, but I just wanted to give my usual reminder to sign up to Law Careers Net if you haven't already. We are putting together so much content to help students out as you go back to university and adjust to a slightly different year of learning and engaging with employers. So make sure to sign up for all the latest information and advice direct to your inbox. So this podcast episode is an introduction to legal technology. I'm not going to lie, I didn't know too much about it myself. So I spoke with Bernie Rivard, a law student at King's Uni and somebody who knows quite a bit more than I do about the topic, thankfully. And we had a great chat about what legal technology really means, what students should know, and how this kind of technology might change the role of lawyers in the future. Thank you very much, Benny, for coming on the Law Careers Net podcast. I am excited to uh, talk to you today and find out a bit more about legal technology and what you do. Um, but first of all, did you want to start by introducing yourself? Hi there. Thank you for having me. My name is Bernie Rivard, final year law student at KCL, careers officer for KCL Law Society and future trainee at Trevor Smith. My first introduction to legal technology was through the King's IT and IP Law Society, also known as KIPS, as first year representative, progressing to president in my second year where my role oversaw the organization of large-scale events with legal tech startups, entrepreneurs, and individuals who, who are shaping the future of the profession, uh, which included through a podcast, actually. So I'm very happy to be on the other side of the microphone today. <laughs> <laughs> but throughout my first two years at university, I attended over 100 legal and tech events, arranged coffees, networked, which you could say culminated in me obtaining a summer position at StructureFlow, a legal tech startup joining Alan and Ori's Fuse Incubator. And we uh, kind of met firstly through um, your work um, at King's um, Law Society. But um, as soon as you started, we had a chat and you started telling me about um, kind of what you did and working for a startup. I knew that I had to uh, get you to come on the podcast Mm -hmm. because I feel like legal legal technology or law tech or legal tech as a kind of phrase is just thrown around quite a lot. And it's quite a buzzword at the moment. And even (laughs) for me, I was I was wondering, you know, how would you define it? And, you know, what should students know? So um, hopefully in this episode, what we can do is, you know, give give a good basic introduction for our listeners for what it means and what they should be thinking about and um, you know maybe some places they can go to find more find out more information um, if they are interested but I think we should start by how would you define legal technology or legal tech how would you define it I think it's interesting because lawyers they like to feel special they like to call something legal they like to put the word legal in front of a term to make themselves feel special but legal tech is not that special so unfortunately the role of a lawyer is not always that rosy as the movies make, make it out to be. You know, you'll be asked to perform tasks that may be time consuming, dull, challenging. Um, yet there are certain things which have never ceased to be important to us. And, that, and that's our time, providing uh, you know, quality advice to clients, uh, enjoying work, etc. So essentially, I would define legal tech simply as a tool to allow lawyers to do just that, which is to work on what they were trained to do. So legal tech is just you know, technology that works to protect what is important to us. And that's our time, uh, communicating with our clients, enjoying our work. So as much as we can call it legal technology, it's essentially software, an application, a platform that allows us to do what we are meant to do. And I guess a good example of that is is where you're working now, the the startup StructureFlow. Perhaps you could uh, kind of run through what StructureFlow is about and and what what your role is in that. 
of course. Uh, and thank you for asking me that now because I, I want to explain my role at Structure Flow with that same kind of frame. So, you know, for example, lawyers, they're faced with, with issues, you know, throughout their, their, their work lives and we call those pain points. Um, and legal tech can serve as a tool to mitigate those pain points. Um, and on the contrary, there are certain things that are valuable to us and legal tech can act as a, as a tool to enhance uh, and improve those things. So you know, in, in the law and in many other disciplines, in fact, transactions and structures can be very complex and often can be very difficult to understand if they're not visualized. But the current tools we have to design uh, those visual structures are painfully time consuming to, to create uh, and mundane to carry out. So uh, they, they often also don't allow for further insight to be drawn. So structure flow helps lawyers model complex legal structures and transactions more easily. Through the tooling, you can create two-dimensional diagrams that are dynamic, data-rich, and that can be accessed by multiple stakeholders, including clients. And, and my role is essentially to help identify the size and scope of opportunities outside of law firms, because as I mentioned before, um, you know, visualizing complex structures, corporate structures, is not exclusive to the law. I think many, many different industries like private equity, asset management, real estate will face those challenges. So I'm essentially tasked with understanding the scope of application of the tooling and feedback that research to the CEO. So whilst I have done a bit of product testing and used the tool myself, I do this only to the extent that I can confidently articulate the structure flow message uh, in order to provide visibility to the startup in the legal space through you know, my network, uh, events and, and podcasts like this. And so StructureFlow was set up by lawyers, right? So the kind of idea is that with the startups that are similar, it's, you know, identifying those pain points, as you said, and identifying mm. the, the problems and kind of making processes uh, better and more advanced and more streamlined through technology. No, exactly. And it's interesting because StructureFlow, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily fit within a category of legal tech. If you, if you look at Legal Geek, they have a, an interesting startup map with all the different legal tech startups and they, they separate it out into you know, risk management, you know, process uh, automation, et cetera. And StructureFlow kind of intersects within all of those. You have an element which, which is rapid diagramming, which allows you to create structures very quickly and easily, but also you can embed data and documents, which kind of links to you know, other startups which are trying to uh, make their work flows more efficient and get, extract better insight from from the data that they're inputting as well so it's an interesting it's an interesting startup and it's definitely an exciting time as well uh, and hopefully in, in the coming months we'll be making some interesting announcements uh, which can which can uh, you know showcase what we do what have you learned about being on kind of the creation side of legal technology you know the idea of legal technology is it's going to be sold things like this are going to be sold to law firms and sold to lawyers so you know as a future lawyer yourself what have you learned from being on, on this side of the table that's that's a really interesting question i think throughout my time observing legal technologists and lawyers there's i think a dichotomy between what legal tech can provide and what lawyers actually want and need because at the end of the day, lawyers are humans and they're, they're very busy humans. And you know, as much as a, a legal tech tool can be innovative and provide amazing cost savings and time savings, if at the end of the day, you know, we're not adopting it, we're not using it, then it won't change anything. And, and that's the kind of the fundamental message that I've uh, learned through my time uh, in this space. It's that attitudes towards it uh, and changing behaviors and, and adoption, that is the biggest challenge for, for the industry. And I hope that that's changing. Uh, and that, that will change over the coming years. 
I guess as well. I think we spoke about this before um, in, when we had a previous call, but it's mm-hmm. funny because legal technology, as I said, it's a, it's a word that I feel like it makes it sound almost more grander that, than what it is. But in, in, you know, in this post-COVID world, I mean, I, I'd say legal technology is in many ways, it's how law firms are working remotely, how they're working virtually, how we're all working from mm. home. Um, it can, it can be as, as simple as that. So I think attitudes will change, especially in the way the world has kind of moved um, this year that, you know, we're going to be a more increasingly digital world um, and even just kind of like yeah. printing printing things and getting things signed you know e-signatures and how how all that's going to adapt and change when yeah. you can't meet people in in, in person um it yeah. is going to see a big a, a big development and boost in, in in what legal technology is and how law firms are um kind of um adapting to it yeah i, I certainly hope so um i think this speaks to something that that richard suskin talks about um you know there's different types of legal technology you know you can separate separate them out into themes but also there's transformational tech and there's automation, right? So automation is where we are at the moment where, you know, we're, we're all talking about efficiencies and saving time, saving money, but hopefully, you know, in the coming years, we can get to transformational technology, which is, you know, unlocking new innovations, you know, using tech to do things we could never do before. And that's the really exciting part. And I don't think we can predict when we'll get to that stage, but as, as Suskin says, we, we tend to overestimate the immediate impact, but underestimate the long-term impact of legal tech so it's always good to keep an eye on the space Uh, and as you say at the moment it's making our lives easier but maybe in the future it, it will change fundamentally change the role of a lawyer and that kind of leads me on to uh, thinking about, you know, if you're an aspiring lawyer or a law student who, um, you know, perhaps doesn't have the same interest that, that you do um, specifically mm-hmm. in, in it. So what, what do students need to know about legal technology? If you're applying to a law firm, you know, if you're a future uh, lawyer, you obviously need to have some kind of awareness. What level of mm-hmm. knowledge do you think you have need to have if you're applying to a law firm? I, I don't think you need to, to be an expert. I think you just need to know the basics. And by that, I mean, what is legal tech? You know, what tools are the lawyers actually using and how can it impact the sector? I don't think you need to be a coder uh, and many legal technologists have, have told that to me as well. Uh, but, but crucially, if you can communicate what you need to the legal engineers, that could be really useful because something else I've noticed is that the legal industry is moving away from sort of one-off advice, but more towards solutions that, you know, providing solutions that clients can come back to and solving a problem that, that clients will never have again, rather than a one-off piece of advice. You know, it's pretty much the same problem. A move to solutions is the key thing. And oftentimes those solutions will be powered and driven by technology. So if a lawyer can articulate what they need um, to create this, you know, technology-based uh, solution for their clients, that could be really useful. Um, but as I say, I think it's, it's all about just pursuing your interests, right? If it's interesting to you, that will be enough to get you reading about new developments and following uh, interesting individuals. And that's what I did. And I think one thing to keep in mind as well is that at the end of the day, law firms are businesses. You know, they will invest in something which they, will be, which they believe will improve the bottom line, right? But it's important to, to kind of have a critical mindset. Uh, oftentimes, I think the small wins you can make with Excel can be a much better option than complex and expensive technology. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a really key thing to, to keep in mind. 
and I guess on the flip side, if you are super interested in legal technology, there are, you know, a growing number of kind of initiatives, startups and opportunities for uh, students and, you know, oh, trainees and junior lawyers to get involved with. Do you have any advice on how can people approach uh, kind of finding out more or getting involved in, in the legal uh, technology uh, area? So in terms of getting involved, I think from my knowledge of, of the London unis, I think there is a legal tech society at, at all of the kind of the big London unis. So I would say definitely, you know, follow them, get involved, maybe even be part of the committee. Um, but there are also many, many sort of events and conferences like Legal Geek. I think they're doing in something doing something in October. Uh, but as you said, the sector is growing. And from my conversations with a few with a few other legal tech startups, they are looking for graduates and, and maybe even as well students who can help. So I think it never hurts to ask uh, someone, you know, a project manager, customer success manager, if you can shadow them or assist them for a week. Uh, and in terms of, you know, finding out more about the space, there are some definitely some interesting podcasts like Linkubator, hosted by Hamza Zaveri uh, from Linklators, of course. That's a very good one. Uh, and I'd be a fool not to mention Kip Speak, which is uh, uh, Kip's podcast, which they launched last year. I think uh, some, some great content is coming out in this next ac academic year. Uh, and then some articles, I would say the artificial lawyer, uh, SCL student bites, the legal technologist newsletter is great as well. Uh, and then in terms of people to follow, I'd say the O-shaped lawyer is actually great because whilst it not, it's not directly linked to legal tech, um, my key stance is that legal tech won't take away that sort of key, those key qualities that all lawyers need. For example, you know, openness and empathy and building trust that's really vital. So I definitely say to follow the O-Shape Law group on LinkedIn, as well as uh, Lorraine Chimga, who's a, an influencer on Instagram. And she does some, she provides some great content on, on legal tech as well. I, I like what you said there, because I, I, my next question was going to be, you know, are, is it worrying that we're telling uh, or should students be worried that um, we're telling them to kind of investigate and learn more about legal technology? Should they be worried that, you know, robots are going to replace them in the future <laughs> and, mm. you know, they're not going to have a job anymore? Is it kind of counter counterintuitive in that way? Or how do, how do you kind of see, uh, you know, it's, it's a discussion. And I, I know that's ongoing in, in, in the legal profession, but, you know, robots as lawyers and, and legal technology kind of t taking over and, and transforming the role of a lawyer. How do you, how do you see mm. that working and should students should students be worried that's that's a really good question i think it comes up uh, a lot i think you know it links to what i was talking about uh, a move towards providing solutions rather than a one-stop uh, piece of advice and with that to build these solutions you need teams that are multidisciplinary right so for, firms already recruit 50 50 law and non-law but even uh you know thinking about three five years time I think legal teams will need a legal engineer. They'll need a data scientist, a risk manager, a project manager, a consultant, as well as a lawyer and, and an associate. So I think, you know, we, we will still need lawyers, but the people that lawyers will work with and the sort of demographics of a legal team will change a lot. Um, but that, you know, it obviously remains to be seen. But no, I don't think that, that robots or sort of AI will replace lawyers just yet. Um, but I think just that, yet, that but maybe, maybe one day, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
no but I, th I think it's important for um you know for students to understand the the significance of soft skills as well um which we, we always talk about at law careers and that you know the networking the kind of exactly the human interaction the client um customer service that that sort of exactly. um those sort of skills are super important and will continue to be so it might mean you know in, in for the next few years you might be doing you know less paperwork and less manual um <laughs> uh, kind of work and but I, I, we'll have to kind of wait and see um kind of the future of legal technology and I, that was going to be my next question actually which was you know looking in your your crystal crystal ball um with kind of what you've learned um and kind of how you've experienced what, what do you see as being the biggest innovations in legal technology uh, in the next few years what should students be knowing about what should they be talking about and, and kind of thinking mm. about for the future well i'd be a fool not to say that structure flow are making some some great moves so do follow structure flow on, on linkedin if you can um but otherwise i think it's interesting to keep an eye on on platforms and by platforms i mean you know one place where a law firm or a, a lawyer can can come to pick and choose the best legal tech tools available right so it's a bit like you know when you think about um airbnb for example you, you go onto this app and then you can choose whatever you need to kind of fulfill fulfill what you're looking for um and it links to what lawyers sometimes talk about which is plug and play right so you know, you, you enter this this uh, new space and you can choose the best of, of whatever each law firm or, or legal tech vendor is offering. So that's an interesting, um, you know, potential future that we're looking at. But also, I would say, um, you know, as I mentioned, lawyers don't need to be experts in coding, but um, no code platforms are also quite interesting, you know, to have lawyers build their own solutions can be, um, can kind of shortcut what I mentioned about legal teams, you know, do obviously we might still need coders and legal engineers but if we can get lawyers creating the solutions themselves that might be an interesting uh you know potential future and if you look at brighter and neotologic for example they're doing some interesting things as well although i do think that we need to always approach legal tech with with the perspective that you know if it's not adopted it, it will not really disrupt the space right um one law firm can use a piece of legal tech but it, it, it might not change the entire market so I think the, the legal tech tool that will, at the end of the day, be most effective at sort of disrupting the legal tech space is something that fulfills, fulfills client wants and needs, um, something that's, that's also easy to use, easy to understand, and crucially implement within current workflows, right? If lawyers, you know, if it takes too long for lawyers to hop on to that, that new piece of tooling, or it takes too long to learn, or they don't understand why it's useful, then you'd be surprised and how difficult it is to convince that that same lawyer to use it. Why is it important for lawyers and aspiring lawyers to keep up with legal technology? And, and what should they be talking about? We've spoken about at interview or if they're applying to, to a firm, what should they be? What are the talking points they should um, they should mention? Why is it important? I think it, it is a force that will shape the, the legal market, whether you like it or not. So you should at least know why and try to understand what legal tech is. Um, I think I would be careful talking about it in an application unless the question specifically asks for it, or you can reasonably bring it up within a question because you're interested in the space. Otherwise, it is hard to stand out unless you can really demonstrate that knowledge and passion in your application. But my advice to those who go to interviews is always the same. I think you should know the basics of as many areas of the sector as possible. So that means the financial system, commercial law, what lawyers do, uh, trade wars, for example. Um, but then also have a handful of topics which you can really demonstrate your strengths in. And that could be legal tech, but it doesn't have to be. My, my advice to all my mentees is that 
you know, don't give the firm a reason to reject you. And if you do not know something basic about the world around you, then that is a reason. So I would just say, just try to understand how legal tech might impact law firms, lawyers, and maybe a practice area, and then you'd be good to go. And if you are interested to kind of learn more, then that could be one of your things that you can really flex on in an interview. Exactly. And we hope that this, uh, this podcast episode kind of serves as a kind of introduction and hopefully has mm. offered um, some good kind of food for thought. And thank you very much for sharing your insight and also um, kind of giving some um, good places for people to go if they do want to find out more. Um, and I'll Absolutely. definitely put some links in the description as well uh, for people who, who do want to find out more. But um, as, as, as with everything that's going on at the moment, we always say it's developing situation. It's just important to have, a, have an awareness. Um, but of there's loads, loads of resources out there if people do uh, want to find out more. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Bernie for speaking with me. I will put all of those resources and links he mentioned in the podcast description so you can go off and start doing your own research if that piqued your interest. That's it from us this month. We hope you're all well and staying safe and we'll be back next month with another episode. See you then.